You're listening to Overtired. I'm Christina Warren, joined as always by Brett Terpstra. What's up, Brett? Not much. How's it going, Christina? Pretty good. Pretty good. Um, I'm not that tired this week, amazingly. Wow. I'm super tired. You're super tired. Why are you sleeping so well? I mean, it's not so much that I'm sleeping so well. I think that it's like the doldrums of, of summer. So there hasn't been like a huge amount of like, I mean, like I've been busy at work, but I haven't been like so busy that I can't see straight. That's... So I've been, I guess, getting, you know, more, I've been going to bed, you know, by midnight. That which, sounds uh, healthy. Yeah, it is healthy. It is healthy. Nice. Uh, so how are you doing? Well, first I want to tell you there is a, I have a, my, my office is lower level with a big sliding glass door that looks out over the valley. And right now there's a pit bull looking in the window with a huge line of drool that goes from the corner of her lip all the way to her paw. Aww. And every time she moves her head, it stretches and it doesn't break because it's so freaking thick. Oh, and we have a foster right now. That's super cute. Anyway. That's that's adorable. Is it, it now? Is the drool like uncomfortable for them? Like when it's that thick, or like? Oh, does I don't it... think she notices. She she seems very annoyed when I try to get the. We have a drool rag. It's officially you know designated for wiping drool off of pit bulls, and uh, and she seems annoyed. Like, what are you doing? There's nothing wrong here. Anyway, anyway, I I don't know why my sleep schedule is off. Um. I it just have not been sleeping. I've been going to bed late and then not being able to sleep in the morning. So I get up at like five and now I'm just super tired. But here's the good news. You remember, did, did, was my back pain a thing last time we talked? Yeah, it, it was. It's been we didn't. I don't think we talked about it last time. But we've definitely talked about your back pain. So, yeah, like and I, I, had, I know you were doing the yoga and stuff. Right. I had the sciatica attack a couple weeks ago and couldn't I couldn't walk I couldn't move it was extremely painful and thanks to some therapeutic massage and finding out that the best way to fix sciatica is just to walk <laughs> I, I am better now I rode Yay. a train for five hours to max stock and I was worried that sitting still for that long was going to be painful Excruciating. yeah um, which <laughs> prompted me to upgrade to a sleeper car so I have like the whole like sleeper car to walk up and down the aisles um ended up not being a big issue uh my as of right now i can actually jog again and things are this is this might be the first time we've done like brett's health corner Mm -hmm. where i'm super happy no, I'm super stoked for you. <laughs> I'm, I'm not, super stoked. I'm not in pain. I'm not sick. And I have an appointment on Monday with the whole new psychiatric institution that Amazing. I'm hoping will be very helpful to me. And if it isn't, when – so what? when was the last time we we, we talked? Like my, two weeks ago? My dad went to the hospital. Did I tell you about that? No, we didn't hear about that. Well, I won't tell you all about that. But my dad went to the hospital like day before his birthday and – uh while they were there, my mom, who is a, um, what do you call someone who just talks to everyone? Social butterfly? Yeah. A chatty McChatter. Um, chatty Kathy, yeah. Yeah, chatty Kathy. She, uh, she started talking to the head of behavioral health at the place where I've been going and getting screwed over. And he was quite upset 
by my story when she told it to him and said that basically all the young doctors now are taught that stimulants are the devil and we can't have any. And, uh, and then she, she texted me and asked which, which med were you looking for? And when I told her Vyvanse, he was like, well, shit, that's, it's not even really, it's not like an AMP amphetamine. It's, 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 I can't remember the, the classification, but it's its own class, like unabusable stimulant. And, uh, and he was quite upset that they, I'd been denied all this time for a year now. So, so if this new appointment doesn't work out, I have a backup plan. He's gonna, he's gonna help me out. So that's fantastic. That's right. Props to Brett's mom for talking to people. So something happened with Taylor Swift this week, but I have no idea what it was. Are you serious? Are, are you yeah, being I'm totally serious? Like, Moises like texted me that night. He was like, "We need an overtired like um, like bat signal." I like, don't have a clue. Um. So, do you remember we talked about this before? How like she was mad at Kanye West for the lyrics in his song. I think Famous. we need to clarify real quick. I enjoy the music. I do not follow this stuff at all. So, and it, which is completely fine. Which is completely fine. But I think we talked about the brouhaha over Famous. Like he. He had a line in his song that was like, "On my South Side, and uh, that know me best. I think me and Taylor might still have sex. Why I made that bitch famous." And <laughs> she was not happy with those lyrics, understandably. I'm not so, happy with any of Kanye's lyrics, but go ahead. Okay, so so she's not happy with the lyrics, and so she released a statement initially saying like, "Taylor does not approve of these messages," and blah 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 blah, and and, and isn't happy with the song. And then he was like. What are you talking about? She told me she approved the lyrics. She thought it was funny. It was her idea. And then Taylor was like, the only conversation they ever had was when he asked her to release the song on Twitter. And she said no and cautioned him against releasing a song with a misogynistic message. Then she accepts her Grammy. And she's all like, you know, there will be people out there who try to take credit for your success and your fame and blah, 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 blah. Anyway, it kicked off their beef again. Turns out... um. It's unclear if she actually heard him give her the lyrics, I made that bitch famous. I have a feeling she never heard those specific lyrics. I can't but imagine the, the Taylor Swift that I'm familiar with through press releases um, ever approving that line. Uh, right. But she did approve the line um, to all my South Side inwards that know me best. I feel like me and Taylor might still have sex. Sure. And she that's mildly humor- humorous. And, and she laughed about it and thought it was fine. And, and here's the problem. Um, because she definitely approved, because she pretended like she didn't ever hear any of it, uh, Kim Kardashian released videotape of her laughing and approving of the lyric, the, the first lyric on Snapchat, and ensure oh. making it seem like she might have heard the second part. The second part we never hear her comment on or, or repeat those lines, and you never hear him say that line. Which to my, to my mind says she never heard that line, and, and what she was really mad about. I don't think she cared she was called a bitch, although on Instagram she claimed like she didn't like being called a bitch. She was mad that he said, I made you famous. Like, let's be real. Well, sure. That that would be the part I'd be offended by, too. uh, Without a doubt. I mean, she even said to him they were being she was very passive aggressive in the way that she always is with him, where she was like talking about how, oh, you know, you didn't know who I was when that event happened. You you know, you didn't know that I already sold seven million uh, copies of that album at that point, which is what happened. But you didn't know that you didn't know who I was. And that's okay. And and I, I and she says that literally line for line, like which is such a great burn to be like I'd already sold seven million copies of that album when that happened, which you know Kanye wishes he could sell seven million copies of an album. Um, 
ever. But anyway, um, I saw the edit. I saw a, like a parody of this video. Like it was his side of the conversation, but they yeah. edited the voice on the other end. Yeah. Uh, of the Snapchat video, and I had no idea what the reference was, but suddenly yeah. I get that. And that makes sense. So, so anyway, long story short, it's very clear that she was at least misleading the public in how much she knew about the song when she was offended. And I, the thing, here's my my take. Like, and I said this on Twitter. Like, I think that she should have just said when it happened, admitted they'd had a conversation, admitted maybe she'd heard part of it, and then just been honest. Been like, look. When I heard the whole thing in context, I changed my mind and it makes me uncomfortable. You're allowed to change your mind. What you're not really allowed to do is pretend like you're a offended by the misogyny when you don't care about the misogyny. <laughs> you, you you care about the fact he said you made you famous and, and B really play off the fact that he did actually call you for lyric approval, at least on part of it. And, and that's what makes you look disingenuous. And when your whole brand is that you're like an authentic person, it look and and you've already had a whole summer as we discussed two weeks ago about how everybody <laughs> thinks your relationship with your boyfriend is fake and everybody's already starting to question your authenticity. This just is like, it, it's just really bad. Has so, the uh, has the Hiddle Swift project come out yet? No, it hasn't. Okay. And in fact, she's been in hiding since <laughs> she released her Instagram response to to Kim Kardashian. And Kanye West. In fact, let me just read you, read, read, read the audience what her Instagram said, because it was pretty great. Um, and so passive aggressive in the most perfect Taylor way. Where is the video of Kanye telling me he was going to call me, in quote marks, that bitch in his song? It doesn't exist because it never happened. You don't get to control someone's emotional response to being called that bitch in front of the entire world. Of course, I wanted to like the song. I wanted to believe Kanye when he told me I would love the song. I wanted us to have a friendly relationship. He promised to play the song for me, but he never did. While I wanted to be supportive of Kanye on the phone call, you cannot approve a song you have never heard. Being falsely painted as a liar when I was never given the full story or played any part of the song is character assassination. <laughs> I would very much like to be excluded from this narrative, one that I never asked to be part of since 2000 nine how is right. that passive aggressive that seems very upfront kind of here here the passive aggressive part is i would very much like to be excluded from this narrative one that i've never asked to be a part of since 2009 now let's be clear she never asked to be part of it in 2009 but she sure as hell has uh what was 2009 was that the that i'm gonna let the, you finish yes Yes. And then a year later at the VMAs, she performs her song Innocent that she wrote about that instance where she's like talking to him being like, I forgive you and it's okay and we all make mistakes. And she literally performs it at the VMAs a year later. And the intro to the song is the I'm gonna let you finish thing. She then like she she, she's made other references to it other times in interviews um, because she knows, look, she would never want to admit this, and it didn't make her famous. People know who she was, but she definitely became more famous because of the line. But I, I understand her being offended. I would be offended if, if a guy was basically being like, I think that you we should still have sex because I made you famous. Like, yeah. that's offensive. No, I mean, that is absolutely horrible, and I totally would have, if I had heard that line, would have said no. Like, exactly. The, the first part, it, it is funny. It I'm, is funny. I'm cool with well, it. but The, the, prob- the problem was she kind of changed her story about what part she was offended well, by. Well, so here's the thing. Here's what's wrong with social media in this instance. It's made beefs more real because yeah. people do react emotionally first. Oh, agreed. And it's not until you unpack what you're actually mad about. And social media, you know, you get your emotional response off, but then you unpack it and you realize, you know, the real problem here is not is not the you know general misogyny around a single word 
it's the idea that I agreed that it was funny that he I should sleep with him, but the the idea that I should do it because he was fame or he made me famous right takes it to a very different place. And I once you realize agree. that. Yeah. Well, what she should have said then is she should have clarified and said, look, we had a phone call. I didn't know the whole context. Once I've heard it, I'm uncomfortable and I and, and I changed my mind. Right. I think if she but it's said social that, media. I agree. But she didn't <laughs> say these things. She didn't say the original things on social media. She said it through press releases, through her publicist. Oh. And so and that's what I'm saying. And I so, blame the publicist then. I agree. And I, I blame the publicist, too. But I'm just saying it changed the narrative. And for a long time, there was this narrative that Kanye was lying and made the whole thing up. And, and people were like, well, obviously, he never called her. You know, they believe Taylor. And then Kim Kardashian did a did a, had a profile in GQ where she was like, I heard the tapes. We have it on videotape. And Taylor apparently then found out she was recorded. So Kim Kardashian's it, obsession with video finally pays off. It, it completely paid. Well, <laughs> again, but I mean, but basically like. OK, now that you say that. Yeah, I was going to say, why is she famous to begin with? Let's be real. Um, but, but what was really, what was, what also became interesting was apparently Taylor was made aware of the fact that there was a videotape of this conversation and then sued and was like, if you release the, the videotape, I will sue you. So, of course, rather than airing the video on E, because E is like, we don't want to get sued, she released it on Snapchat. And then what's Taylor going to do? Like, we talked to lawyers at Nashville. Everybody talked to lawyers. The lawyers were like, well, yeah, he broke the law. She could totally sue him. But, like, really... If she sues him over the release of the video, that just makes her look even worse. And already people, the big problem is here, I think the, I think if this had happened like a year ago, everybody would have been Team Taylor. But because she's been so overexposed and people are kind of tired of her and everybody's questioning the Hiddle Swift stuff, they're just rolling their eyes at her anyway. And it just, it's just, it was, it was it's a really bad week for Taylor. But, but good news for Taylor um, Melania Trump then plagiarized her RNC speech and everybody immediately like switched <laughs> gears. Like, like it went from Taylor memes to Melania Trump memes like that. I gotta so, say that was awesome. That was one of the best things I've ever seen in my life. The, um, the fact that she, uh, she, she never watched the original speech. She didn't know those writers. <laughs> didn't the, didn't the Trump campaign make the writer come forward they and like did. publicly and they, humiliate themselves? They did. And it, not only that, but so, so the, what's really funny is they've hired these two really good speechwriters to write the speech. And apparently the speechwriters were like very clear. Like they went to the press. They were like the only part of our speech that was used was the introduction and this one particular section. And apparently what happened was I'm assuming it was Trump who probably wrote the speech. Um, Googled, you know, like, like, you know, speeches and then, and then pasted stuff in and figured no one would notice. Like but a rich college is, kid who, who expects to get away with plagiarism. Precise. That's exactly what it was. <laughs> and then, and then what happened is they, they find this this woman who apparently like ghost wrote his last couple of books, and she was the one who stepped forward and was like, "Oh yeah, it was me." And, and Melania had nothing to do with it. But the thing is, is that woman had like no social media profile before she stepped forward. So there's like people are like genuinely questioning, does she even exist? <laughs> because you know Trump has Trump has created. Um, made up figures before too. Like he he used to call himself Baron something or another, and like call PR people, like like magazine people, like like People Magazine. Like he would call People Magazine, pretend that he was a Trump spokesman yeah. and a close so, friend, but it was really him. So here's, we, we, I don't know. This is this has to segue into something I actually had on our list. Uh, the New Yorker wrote an article about Tony Schwartz, who was listed as the co-author on the Art of the Deal but actually ghost wrote the whole thing. 
Yes. And now takes the blame for creating Trump. Yep. Like he, I, I read that. That was so good. It was. Like I don't usually read articles that long all the way through. That one was fascinating. Plus, I was on an Amtrak with five hours to kill. Um, it is. It made me see Trump in a whole different light. Like Trump. Trump didn't make himself. He just made himself into what Tony Schwartz made him. Like, without Tony Schwartz, Trump wouldn't really exist. He would be a bankrupt New York mogul of some kind. It was um, very eye-opening to me, and I think everyone should read... I'll, I'll link it in the show notes, but that article... It's crazy how much Tony Schwartz just kind of made up to to kind of fill in the blanks with a, with a, a dirty taste in his mouth because he knew this was career-ruining stuff. And it took him all these years, and he finally came out. And honestly, I believe every word of that article. It could be, you know, you would think, oh, he's just going for a publicity grab now that Trump's so big. It, it, you know, it's good for him to speak out against it. But it seems so real, like his descriptions of his time, like hanging out with Trump at the Trump mansion, trying to learn about Trump, but Trump's attention attention span was too short. To tell him anything real, so he just made it up. Yeah, no, that's so. It was the article was so fascinating, and it's just it just shows like, yeah, I mean, it helped build him, and he feels so guilty, and I mean, he shouldn't. He he didn't have any way of knowing what he was going to do. Can we talk about the convention briefly? Yeah, totally. I mean, I feel like we try to avoid. We tried. We fail to avoid politics regularly. Completely. But. Right now, I mean, that's it's kind of the pop culture of the week. It's the reality it show is. of the week. Well, it is. I mean, it, like, it, it's. I've never in my life seen something more poorly planned or managed or like more of a soap opera happening. And yet, like, I mean, Ted Cruz refusing to endorse candidate. I mean, I know that these things have happened at past conventions. There have been things like this that have gone crazy. But in our lifetime, like, we haven't ever had the crazy convention stuff. You know, since the '80s, it's been like since like Reagan, like. It's been pretty in Mondale, like it's been pretty chaste, and and so I, the first you know political convention I ever remember watching was was Bill Clinton in '92, and I know that I think Jerry Brown I think like you know made people do a vote or whatever, but like it wasn't contested or anything, and and you know there there's been we we haven't had dramatic conventions like this, so just seeing this kind of go off the rails has been endlessly entertaining. Yeah. Well, the the yay nay vote when they officially nominated Trump was to me. <laughs> Trump complained about fixed system, like a rig system, and to if you listen to the yays and nays like verbally, that is a a horrible way to decide a vote. But b to hear the nays so loud, yep, and so fervent. And then just to say, well, it sounds like the yays have it. <laughs> Check. It's horrible to me. Um, it's horrible to me how many people at that convention hate everything that's happening at that convention. Oh, completely. And yet they can do nothing about it, you know. And and I mean, when when the when the never Trumps tried to kind of storm the floor, and and it was it was just crazy. I mean, it was just it's it's really fascinating. And um, yeah. Did you see the video of Stephen Colbert? Yeah, stumbling up to the podium. Yeah, that was the. That and was as so security's great. taking him away, he goes, "Okay, you guys. I know I shouldn't be here, but honestly, neither should Trump." 
<laughs> so good. Did you also see the video of Colbert um, uh, going to see doing to find John Stewart? Yes, the in the woods. Yeah, in, in his little uh, very uh, thorough cabin. Yeah, Walden Pond cabin. Yes, I have to say that's the one thing that's been missing from this election cycle, and and we we mentioned it last year. It was it was you know, John Stewart retired right before the Trump thing started. And it was like painful then because we were like, well, we really need this. And, <laughs> it was but painful other, for John Stewart. <laughs> other than John Oliver, who is only on once a week and is great. But other than John Oliver, like we don't haven't had anybody who's really been able to give, you know, this sort of thing, the punditry. Yeah, but you know, it, but it, it Col- Col- Colbert is co-hosting with John Stewart this coverage. And you can find it. I found a few on YouTube. I don't know where it's officially airing. But the the Hungry for Power games, I, is that part of the Colbert show? I don't even know, but I've been finding the segments. I mean, I, so, yeah, I mean, John Stewart came out of hiding sure. for this. He came out of hiding for this, but it's not the same as having him every day. And Keith Olbermann isn't on TV anymore, even on even for sports. And, like, we used to at least be able to rely on him. You know what I mean? Like, you had Stewart and Olbermann who would at least make, make, make commentary because Trevor Noah, bless him, isn't American and doesn't get our political system and just isn't good enough. And, 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 um, uh, John Oliver is good enough, but he's only on once a week. So like, for instance, it was such a shame that, you know, he missed the whole Melania thing. He's missed this Ted Cruz thing. By the time his show goes up, you know, on Sunday, they, you know, the, who knows when they record the monologue, like other, so many other things will have happened that he won't be able to be as incisive. I mean, I was, I was thinking to myself, I was like, if I were, HBO, I would be releasing as as promo for the show. I would make John Oliver do like five minute monologues and just well, putting and them on the internet like during the week. I wish he had because he did for the last couple of weeks. He's been on break, yeah, and he has done brief segments. And I do feel like they could they get a lot of views just having him do like okay, so here's something we're going to be talking about on Sunday, but happened today. That would be brilliant, but yeah, yeah, but 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 yeah, exactly. But it's just it. Some of it doesn't even need commentary. Some of true. what's happening right now, like the whole the day of uh, make America safe again. This has echoed the idea that you know all of the they list off. Let's see, there's a um, fine gold versus. I don't remember what the opponent's name is. Johnson, maybe. Uh, it's a local election and or it's either Wisconsin or Minnesota. I don't even know, but I think it's Wisconsin. But they're talking about, you know, so and so voted against the war, voted against these measures that would give the government the power to fight these this terrorist tactics. And then the uh, the opponent's version is schools cost too much and they're fighting on these different issues different uh kind of levels actually but one is and the republicans are extremely fear-based like it's all about the world is ending everyone's trying to kill us and they're whipping up this fervor that makes someone like donald trump make perfect sense right and if you look back at the way hitler came to power i'm sorry it is godwin's law Totally. But, but Godwin's law is amplified when the person rising to power is actually fascist. Yeah, no, you're right. It is. It, it, this whole thing, though, it's just like 
the funny thing about how much this convention is, is like a total shit show is that it doesn't matter because even though the, the thing you can hope for two things, one, you can hope that there will be enough people on the base of the Republicans who are just so turned off of Trump that they won't go to the polls. Um, There are people that have declared support for Hillary that would never vote Democratic in their life. Yeah, I mean, they say that, but I wonder wonder if if they will, if they'll actually show up. But but then the bigger thing, though, is like you kind of wonder, like, um, can we get can Hillary, can the, the Democrats galvanize? you know, all the apathetic, you know, millennials to, to actually vote because without them, that that's, that's my big fear is that all the, the Bernie bros are going to still be like butthurt about stuff and don't care because even as, as much as you and I are like looking at the convention and are laughing and it is a total shit show, it doesn't matter. Like the people who are voting for Trump, they don't care that Melania plagiarized the speech. They don't oh, no, care. That's the thing. There's nothing, nothing that we would consider a major faux pas is any longer a major faux pas. And I consider this election entirely still up for grabs. Yeah, exactly. And that's why like, I feel like it's going to be crucial for, for the Democrats to put on one hell of a, of a convention and really beyond that galvanize the hell out of voters and really hope that the Democrats haven't figured it out yet though. They're still trying to fight on, on the old terms. I know I agree, but, but they've got, they've got to, they've got to do something. It's just, it's anyway, Yeah. And then you wonder how much is blown up by the media. Like, it seems to me that America has proven time and time again in the last 50 years that we are fairly level headed. Yep. But this election is all about not the not level headed part of the population. The angry, frightened part. No, you're right. That's exactly what it is. And it's uh, it's um, it's. It's scary, frankly. Yeah, well, I understand angry and frightened. Uh, There are a lot of angering and frightening things going on. But to see the solution as... (laughs) I think the word shit show is very appropriate. To see the solution as Donald Trump's shit show is... it's That's what's frightening me. When Mm -hmm. things get to a point where people are like, yeah, well, let's elect some blowhard who will just, you know, assume that nuking somebody will fix a problem. It frightens me, yeah. 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 No. Oh, give no. give this country the nukes and let them nuke the other country and we'll be fine. Hmm. Or build a wall that will do really nothing but restrict, you know, economic trade um, and cost us millions of dollars because there's no way we're convincing another country to pay for something like that these basic premises of his campaign are they're frightening that people are so vehemently accepting of it yeah and 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 i think that they're they're almost turning off they're like oh well he won't really do that (laughs) right but we'll vote for him anyway because we'll vote for him anyway because we 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 know he changes his mind every day so yeah we'll vote for him anyway because you know that hillary is just the worst (laughs) crooked hillary Crooked Hillary. You know, I got to she- say, I, I still don't love Hillary. I would still gladly vote for Bernie, but I would also absolutely vote for Hillary over Trump. And I hate the fact my entire life, the reason I campaigned for Nader was not because Nader was going to be the absolute best president, but because I was so sick of a two-party system where you're always voting for the least of two evils. 
Yeah, um, but but I feel like that's all well and good until you could actually lose, you know, a real election of value that <laughs> and that elect could... George W. Bush. Yeah, or <laughs> but I mean, but 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 which which is what happened when you voted. It for is. Me. It and, absolutely and, and, is. And 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 that's terrible. But also, you know, I mean, in this case, it's even worse because there's a Supreme Court seat up for grabs. Yeah, a very important support Supreme and Court seat. Honestly, so like, as a woman, like. As you know, like anybody who values like the future of our country, like you've got to like, even if you hate Hillary, <laughs> Donald Trump can't pick the next Supreme Court justice. They just can't. If if the Republican Party was truly against Donald Trump, which uh, still a majority of them say they are, they would allow Barack Obama to push through. Yep, but they won't because they care more about the party line. Exactly. And, and, yeah. Locks lock and step in this uh, this idea, this idea that you uh, that uh, uh, you have to wait for the next president. That's not true. It's not. There's not a lot of precedent. There is some precedent for waiting to nominate a Supreme Court justice, but yeah. not not a significant. They act like Certainly oh not. no, you can't ever. There's more than enough precedent to allow Barack Obama's. Uh, nominations to be heard in on the floor, and right. it's just it, they're refusing on this principle, which is a weird principle to begin with. But anyway, no, I agree. I agree completely. They're sticking it, to their roots, the roots that created Donald Trump. Yeah, yeah, it's um, fun. <laughs> it's fun, except that it's terrifying because it because he could be president, and that's really terrifying. Um, so, but let's talk about why you were on the train. <laughs> because I don't like driving for, it would have, it would have taken me four hours to drive. Sure. No, but I'm saying max stock. That was my segue. To oh, Max-talk. where I was going on the train. Yeah. Sorry about that. That, that, they meant that why I chose Amtrak as my transportation. I mean, that too. I mean, although I, I, I understand not wanting to drive and, and honestly, at that point, if you're worried about your back. Like being yeah. on a train, even if you weren't in the sleeper car, although you know, because um, well, I can get up for a walk and it doesn't, right. it doesn't stop moving. Right. It does take a lot of arm strength to balance when walking through aisles full of people you could fall into laps of. Hmm. You have to grab onto a lot so of. So I've never been on an Amtrak with like a sleeper car, so I don't know how big that is. I have. I've just been like in the business class like section where you have a little more leg room, but I've I've mostly just taken trains like to. Well, like honestly, walking to, through uh, coach, I realized, mm-hmm. wow, these seats are huge. There's yeah. like two seats uh, per side and mm-hmm. so much leg room. It lo- so it's much. exactly the size of a first class seat on Delta, maybe even bigger. Yeah, a little bigger, I think. And uh, and depends I on what first class you're on, but yeah. Yeah, I could have I could have done that, but um, the sleeper car is actually only. It's like four feet wide, eight feet tall, maybe. It's not big. Um, is it like a private car or, or yeah. is it? Okay. Yeah, that was the benefit to me is I very much enjoy cocoon spaces where I can close a door, shut a curtain, have absolute silence and privacy. Like nobody interrupts me. And like flying first class, I actually get annoyed because the stewardess is always offering me drinks and. I have to say, just don't disturb me for the next hour. Yeah, On a train, certainly. you have to hit the call button for mm-hmm. anyone to bother you. 
That's nice. It is. I, I actually, the small, small space, but with room to lay down, you can actually make two beds in one of those cars. There's an upper bunk that you can pull down, and then the two seats that face each other both mm-hmm. drop all the way down and combine to make a second bed. So you can sleep up top where it's darker or down where you can see the window. And granted, the the view between Winona and Chicago looks exactly the same as my backyard and is absolutely nothing interesting. Um, it's still, it was still fun. So, so tell me about Maxstock. So Maxstock, it's, it's a, it's a, a conference in progress. I'm glad I didn't take you. Have you ever gone to a party with someone and you told them it was going to be awesome and then the you spent the whole time wondering if they were having a good time? Yes. That's why I'm glad you didn't come because I had a blast and it was awesome to connect with all of the, you know, my favorite podcasters and and bloggers. Mm-hmm. And most of the crowd honestly at this point is podcasters and bloggers. And um it was I had a great time though and the uh the speakers were fun and they gave gave great talk which is like head but with more stage and audience. Um <laughs> and it, uh, the times that okay, so I got stomach ache on the way there and then it lasted all through the weekend didn't clear up till i was on the way back so i was sick the whole time um which is basically to say that i only made it to a couple of like group dinners but i got to go out for dinner with all the speakers and it was awesome to see um all the guy in my my world like i guess b list they're not John Gruber, but everyone else. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, yeah, so I had a blast. But if I had taken someone else who really was there to, you know, see the revival of MacWorld, it would have been at this point. Maybe I, I you might have had a great time, but I would have spent the whole time thinking, uh, "What did I get her into?" Right. And uh, I it sounds think... like I would have had a good time. It was just it, the time and I just wasn't able to make it. But but I'm glad. I mean, I'm glad that they're doing it. I'm glad they're trying. Yeah. Well, in looking at the rate of growth between year one and year two, I think year three is going to be awesome. Are, are, are they committed to a year three? They are. And and I'm I'm planning to pitch a talk and I'm hoping to be a speaker next year. That's great. And and bring bring more awesome people. Well, if you speak next year, I'll go see you. Ah. Ah. Yeah, that's sweet. Um, I definitely will. I definitely will. Um, so, um, what else is um? So, so you had fun. I gotta um, tell you about the the trip home. Yeah, tell me about the trip home. So I go to the dinner car for my five thirty reservation, and I'm sing. I'm alone. I'm a single diner, and there all this all the tables are four seaters, so they mix you in with whatever people come in and need three seats. And I ended up with a like a th- two a couple from Arkansas in their late sixties, and their one of their mothers from Arkansas as well. Although when I asked them, they're like, "Oh, she's from Northern Arkansas," which in my mind is not a difference, but to them it was apparently a, a significant difference. But in the process of this conversation, over the course of the meal. 
we connected on so many points. I mean, granted, we disconnected on everything, but we found so many points in common, and I realized my life is kind of a systematic episode where I'm just ultimately curious about things I don't understand, such as Arkansas. <laughs> and uh, my my family, uh, my maternal side of my family is rooted in Arkansas, and it's always been kind of, in my opinion, a, a blight. And my opinion has changed significantly since this conversation. It was really fun to see. It was their first time in the North, and to hear the things that they pointed out as the train passed them. You know, like churches in every town and the number of deer stands in the woods and all these things that they're like, oh, it's like home. It was kind of fascinating because I never realized, I never noticed those things about the North and didn't realize there were connections to the South. And yeah, it was, I, I have a, a friendlier opinion to some extent of the Deep South at this point. Well, yay. Well, I'm glad that your mind was open and I'm glad that you had like, I'm glad you had that experience. And that's why the train, I think, is better in some ways than like, you know, airplanes. Cause, yeah, hey, train friends stay friends, right? Totally. Well, and, and you have more of, you know, because I think everybody's a little more laid back because just the whole process is not as terrible of, of being on a train as it is flying, even if you're going for a few hours or, or long distances, like people are just more chill. I discussed the relationship between C and JavaScript with a 60-plus-year-old man from Arkansas, and that right there. That's amazing. You would never have that on an airplane, And there was, like, absolutely no Deliverance soundtrack playing, and I was like, this is not what I expected. To be fair, I have an open mind. It's just that everything I hear, everything I hear and read about that part of the U.S. is... Uh, in entire like total disagreement with everything I believe, but right. when faced with talking to someone from that area, I'm very open minded. Like we, we, there was no argument. We talked about things we agreed on, passed over things we didn't, and I learned a lot. That's great. That's really good. That's I'm I'm, I'm impressed to hear that. So uh, I see. Also, we have on the list we have um, Zootopia. Have you seen it? I have. I absolutely. So I, good. You know, I went into it thinking this was going to be a really good animated movie. And it turned out to be a really good political um, like movie that focused on issues. And the, the graphics were so good. The so animation good. was so good that I stopped paying attention to how good it was. I remember watching Monsters, Inc. and thinking... Oh my God, you can see every hair on Sully's yep. fur moving. And that's amazing. And I couldn't let go of that. And it was almost distracting. And this was so good. I actually got immersed and forgot I was watching an animated no, movie. It was, it was so good. The story was great. And you're right, the political statements, it wasn't too heavy handed because obviously right. it was still aimed you know, at younger audiences. <laughs> I have to point out to people that it's all about sexism in the workplace. It's about racism. It's about political corruption and fear. Yep. It was kind of amazing. It, it was such a good movie. We I watched it probably about a month and a half ago, and whenever it came out, you know, digitally or whatever. And and Grant and I we just we, we enjoyed the hell out of it. It was adorable. It was really funny. Uh, you know, what, things they did with the characters. You know, the the, the opening. You you watch the opening sequence, and you feel like if because I didn't know anything about it walking into it. Like I literally knew nothing about it. I didn't even know well, who the, the commercials didn't reveal much at all. 
Right. So I didn't even know the voice actors. So it was one of those things that I watch, you know, you see the earlier part and you think it's going to be about this little girl. And then all of a sudden, like it fast forwards, you know, when she's grown up and you're like, oh, okay, you know, now, now this happens. Maybe the whole reveal of everything was great. The voice acting was good. But just when you saw what happened to some of the characters who were, you know, like the bully, uh, this isn't spoiling anything, but you know, the bully character, you know, in the beginning and, and how he turns out was really true to life in so many ways. And I'm going to my class reunion this uh, next weekend, my 20th class reunion for high school. And uh, and yeah, I imagine it's going to be much the same. The people that I just loathe are going to turn out to be different people now. But yeah, no, I recommend everyone sees Utopia. Child, adult, in between. It's like Inside Out. Yeah. I, I guess it it's like exactly like I had the same experience with Inside Out. So. Yeah, no, I, but but in, in in some ways, I mean, Inside Out, I loved, and and I, I I thought everything about it was perfect, and that obviously had all the psychological things. What was impressive to me about this, but Inside Out, because it was you know obviously other than kind of like taking the the idea of being inside your head, you know, it was human characters. What was impressive to me about Zootopia was the fact that it was all these animals, and it's very rare. Monsters Inc. would be kind of a, another example, and I guess some of the other Pixar films. But it's very rare for you to see films where they anthropomorphize animals and yet you still feel so strongly about the characters at least for me yeah well and and because because every character related directly to a human stereotype and completely fully acknowledged you know when they describe the premise of the movie at the beginning they're like yeah these are anthropomorphized they have two legs and they walk upright and it's uh you you can entirely just get lost in it yeah, and, and and it was funny, and like you said, I mean, the, the the issues that it was it was covering were pretty profound. What also really impressed me about it is that it was not a Pixar film; it was from Disney, you know, animated studios. So, this is now three films um, that we've seen not from Pixar that have been, to me, every bit as good as Pixar films. One would be Wreck It Ralph, two would be Frozen, and, and the third would be this one. And and that's really good, I think. I mean, I, I liked, I really liked Finding Dory. Um, and, it, it, you know, it wasn't as good as Finding Nemo, obviously, but but it, I thought it was a good sequel. I thought Inside Out was genuinely, like, probably my second favorite movie last year after Spotlight. And um, who, who, who did Inside Out? Inside Out was Pixar. Okay. Um, but, but, but in general, you know, we've kind of reached this point where I think that, like, you know, at least for a lot of us, like, where I would kind of think, well, the good animated movies are, all, are only made by Pixar. No, Pixar now has some serious competition from Disney. You know, I, I know would both say Disney companies. I would say that Zootopia, you know, uh, in in contrast to Wreck It Ralph and uh, Frozen, Zootopia is the first entrance into this world of animated movies that really aren't for kids. Yeah, I would agree with that. They're for adults with stuff that kids will enjoy. Instead of for kids with stuff that adults will enjoy, a la Shrek. Yes, I I totally agree with that. And I would say say that's absolutely true. I would say Inside Out a little bit as well. I think Inside Out. Oh, absolutely. But but Inside Out, I think, was really aimed at adults. And 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 Pixar has been doing this for a while now. The the Incredibles was the first one that I think really was was really aimed at adults, not kids. But they've done they've gone back and forth. But I think you're right. Uh, Frozen and and Record Routh were clearly, you know, kids. But but who did up? Up was was Pixar. Yeah. Oh, See, Pix- oh Pixar has been doing this for a while. They have. They made... have, but this is the, but this is the first Disney one, you know, that hasn't been under the Pixar brand. I think you're right, and what? I think even more so than than Pixar films in recent years, 
this was really like, you know, that because in, in recent years, we other than in, well, no, Inside Out was last year. So that doesn't get that. I'm, I'm, <laughs> I'm, I'm contradicting myself. That's so you're right. last year, Christine. I, no, I know. I'm contradicting myself. But no, you're right. <laughs> I, I think that, 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 that um, you know, um, you're right. This was the, probably the first Disney Animation Studios film that was not associated with Pixar. That this was definitely aimed at adults. And if you look at the way they marketed the film, I mean, they certainly wanted kids to come in. But they marketed it to adults. They actually marketed it to furries, which was funny. But also smart. <laughs> Um, I mean, I mean, it wasn't the first film marketed to furries. That's going to be in the, in the history books. It totally, I mean, but honestly, not a bad idea. Um, okay. So this, this adult animated film thing, uh, and I'm not talking about hentai, but, um, (laughs) this is, this is going to happen a lot more. I know you're short on time because you have things to cover. There's one more movie I want to mention. Yes. Mr. Right. Have you seen this? Uh, I haven't. It is you. You absolutely have to. Uh, Anna Kendrick and Sam Rockwell. Sam Rockwell is playing an assassin who has decided that killing is wrong. So when people hire him to kill someone, he kills the person who hired him with a clown nose on. And Anna Kendrick falls in love with him. And it is. It got panned by critics. It's got a like thirty nine percent Rotten Tomatoes and Metascore rating. It's totally worth watching. Okay. Well, I love both of them, but I especially love her. So I love him, and I lo- I love them both. <laughs> I love them both, and together they were. It it was amazing to me. I watched it twice in a row, like back to back. I finished. Is it, it on Netflix or is it on? Um, is it on, uh, on iTunes? iTunes. So I have to buy it. I have to buy it. Okay. Yeah, yeah. iTunes and Amazon. I think it is absolutely worth the three ninety nine or whatever they'll charge you for it. We'll Excellent. talk more about it after you see it. Okay. And, we will talk and about Anna it next Kendrick, time. Anna Kendrick is wonderful in it. She's so good. She's genuinely one of my favorites. Like we, I love her. I was really disappointed that that uh, her movie with Aubrey Plaza didn't do better at the box office. Which one was that? The, the wedding date movie. Oh, um, I haven't seen it yet. That's on my yeah, list. Yeah, I, I, I haven't either. It's on my list, but but it it, it opened I think at number five. Yeah. Um, and it's uh, not surprising. Honestly, it wasn't like she doesn't have the star power to drive box office, but you're she right, has the right, star so- power to drive longer lasting movies. Well, I mean, but Mike and Dave need wedding dates. I mean, but it looked really funny. Um, I don't know. Well, I don't know. Pitch Perfect did really well. And so did Pitch Perfect 2 to the point that they're doing a sequel. Um, I mean, a, a third one. So <laughs> you're right. Really? She probably, she, you're right. She probably can't. She probably can't drive it. But I was disappointed that, that, that Mike and Dave need wedding dates um, didn't do better at the box office. But I, I look forward to seeing it. When I it will say to, as video. an ad, as an addendum to that, Anna Kendrick is and I have not figured out why, because my entire life I have studied my attraction to certain females to try to figure out scientifically why. Right. And she does not fit any of my rules, but she is to me the hottest actress making movies. She's so right adorable. Now. She's well. She's just adorable. She's funny. She's <laughs> likable. She's got a good body. She's got a good singing voice. See, I, nothing. Cute. Every every like because I take this down to like exact ratios and proportions when I study sure. this. She doesn't fit any of them. Her body is of, not my type. Her voice is not my type. It is. But it's just something about, about her. her. Just, it, she just she pinks she she pinks for you. She pinks for me too. I think I I I would totally date. I mean I'm married, but but I would totally date Anna Kendrick. So we'll call this episode "Twitching for Anna Kendrick." Twitching for Anna Kendrick. That's the episode title. <laughs> I love it. So anyway, I will let you go and cover your your RNC uh, yeah. speeches. Thank you. This will be fun. 
this will be fun for me. I mean, I, I, I get to just watch the, the, the shit show unfold. Well, when you're done with that, continue getting some sleep. Thank you. And you get some sleep too. And, and uh, props uh, props to you for uh, feeling better backwise. And, and let's have some fingers crossed about the uh, your meeting with your new mental health provider. Cheers to that. The system is going down low.